or Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. I'm Ken Beaulieu. Over the past two decades, JC Lapierre has held many positions at PwC, but her current roles as Chief Communications Officer and Strategy Leader have earned her a seat at the table with other U.S. business leaders. Overseeing communications, marketing, brand, and creative functions, JC's impact is visible on many fronts. For starters, she is a driving force behind PwC's efforts to make purpose a priority across the firm and with all stakeholders. She is also leading the charge to advance diversity and inclusion initiatives and to help clients create a more inclusive culture. JC joins me to discuss the company's purpose, its DNI efforts, how the company is driving positive social change, and more. JC, welcome to Beyond Profit. Well, we're thrilled to have you, that's for sure. So let's get right into it. Your company's purpose is to, quote unquote, build trust in society and solve important problems. Pretty lofty. So I have to ask, how does that purpose show up in how you go to market? And second, does that does the marketing function, which I believe falls under you, does that play a role in building trust with your people? Yeah, and the marketing function does fall under me, so I'd love to answer that. I agree with you. Our statement is a really big and lofty one. I also believe it's one that we bring to life each and every day. And it's been such a privilege in my current role to get to be a part of helping to shape that and to help all of our, not just 55,000 people, but all of our stakeholders really understand what that means. So let me try to do it here and just explain a little bit more about what I mean by that. So I believe that one of the most important things in really bringing your purpose to life is to choose your spots in which you can execute your purpose in which you can demonstrate it. And one of our basic philosophies for how we operate as a leadership team at PwC generally is to not be all things to all people, but to choose a couple of things and to scale them and to execute them really well for impact. And so for us at PwC, over the last three to four years in particular, although we've been on our DNI journey for a very long time, our two main areas that we've been focused on from a purpose perspective are digital upskilling, number one, and number two, our diversity, equity, and inclusion journey. And for us, and in particular, how both marketing and comms that fall underneath me participate in that, is by really helping all of our stakeholders understand what that means, not just in words, but also in action, and to find ways in which we can bring it to life for them and even possibly find ways in which we can engage them in our purpose so that they see it in a real-time basis. And when we decided to bring strategy, marketing, and communications together, we did it because we embed purpose very directly into our strategy, and we thought the next natural thing would be to bring all of the firm's storytellers together right embedded with that strategy function so that they can help to just convey what we're he- where we're headed and bring it right to, like I said, every one of our stakeholders in a very consistent and repeatable way. And so that's how we, those are two things that we focus on. And that's why bringing all of the storytellers together has been so important in our journey. Tracy, I have to ask, you know, bringing those storytellers together, is that an anomaly, do you believe, in the business world? Or are you seeing more companies doing that? Wow. It was a hypothesis we had just this last year. We just brought all of 
those groups together, mm -hmm. July of 2020. And so far, I couldn't be more pleased with how it's playing out. Boy, that's terrific. You work for a large company, and I'm sure that has its challenges in terms of acting purpose internally. Could you just talk about some of those and then how you're addressing them? Yeah, I would love to. So you're right. We are a very large organization, 55,000 strong here in the United mm -hmm. States. And our people, everyone has their own unique way of manifesting their purpose. And so what we try to do is to find opportunities where we can bring our purpose to life, but give optionality to our people in terms of how they do that. So let me give you two real practical examples here. One in each of the domains I mentioned where sure. we really focus on our purpose. So when it comes to digital upskilling, when we sat down as a leadership team four years ago to begin this journey, we had a conversation, actually we had many conversations and debates about how do you go about upskilling a legacy organization like ours? We've been around for 170 years. We are big. It's like moving the QE2 sometimes when mm -hmm. you're trying to change. <laughs> and we had a real decision point around whether we would try to acquire some of that digital talent, whether we would upskill certain pockets of our firm. But then we sat back and thought, if we really are to demonstrate our purpose, and if we're really going to go all in and helping to bridge this digital divide, which we know is critically important also to the DNI journey, then we should start with doing it digitally, upskilling all 55,000 of our people and doing it at scale. And so we chose to invest that, and we think that was a very purposeful decision because it allows our people to upskill themselves and help make them more fit for the future, regardless of whether they end up staying at PwC or decide to go elsewhere. Right. And then it also allows them to help with one of our other efforts, which is going and doing that for our communities. So that's one example of how each of the areas that we choose in our purpose, we do to ourselves and we do at scale. And then I'll give you a second example sure. is around uh, diversity and inclusion. And we've been on this journey, like I said, for over 30 years. And it's one that I think we'll continue to be on for quite some time. But in August, we launched our first DNI transparency report. And in fact, it is one of the leading transparency reports in terms of not many organizations have done that, as well as the number of indicators that we disclosed in our DNI transparency report. Before we sent it out to others, stakeholders, we shared it with our 55,000 people and held a firm-wide webcast where our CEO, Tim Ryan, explained what it means and how to put that data in context and what we are all going to do to continue our journey around DNI and how we all participate in that. And so when I talked about it, the last question you asked me, that's why linking strategy and the storytelling is so important because we help to think about what are the steps that we can involve 55,000 in as we continue to move down the path of our strategic agenda. Well, that's quite impressive. We're hearing more stories of what I like to call purpose drift, where decisions are being made, not necessarily with purpose at the heart. Can you just talk a little bit about how do you keep purpose at the center of everything you do at the firm? Are there benchmarks in place, things of that nature? Yeah, an excellent question and a really hard one to answer, I think. Mm -hmm. I'll go at it a couple of ways, but I think the most important way that you can do it is by listening. Uh, I mentioned this already, but one of the expectations Tim has as a leadership team and that he demonstrates very clearly day in and day out is that of being a servant leader. Mm -hmm. And our entire strategy is predicated on listening to our clients and to our people. And when I say listening, we 
formal mechanisms in terms of having employee surveys. When COVID hit last year, we sent out a survey to understand the implications that it was having on people and how we could respond to help support them. But I think really important listening happens in the really informal ways. And so we've devised ways of, and Tim has set the culture that you are empowered, all of our stakeholders, to give us feedback. And as leaders, that feedback, we can't be defensive about it, but we should use it to help inform how we move forward, how we get better, and how we make sure our message is being heard and that we've given our people the right tools and support in order to be able to continue down that journey. And just one thing that I did as an example last fall is I, as I took over this new organization, I did 60 days of coffee chat. So when I have 600 people on my team, direct team, and I did 60 days, 10 people to a coffee chat. And the goal was one, to get to know them personally and Mm -hmm. what matters to them. And two, to understand, do they understand our strategy? Is it working? Are we being clear with where we're headed? Have we made any mistakes in how we're trying to do it? And do they have any suggestions for how we can improve it? And that real two-way listening helps me more than anything else as we figure out the next steps that we should take on the journey. And so we have one of those plans for every one of our stakeholder groups. And we listen both informally through those kinds of engagements, as well as through formal mechanisms and using data. Like Mm -hmm. data is so important to everything that you do. And there is empirical data that we can use. We can see how many people have looked at our DNI transparency report, how it's being consumed. And so I think when you marry up that kind of listening plus the data, you get indicators of whether it's really working or where you can continue to improve because, quite frankly, we can always continue to improve. Well, I'll tell you, JC, PwC really has it dialed in terms of building a purposeful culture. We still have, I always say this when I'm speaking publicly, I, I think we are doing really well, but like every organization and like all humans, uh, mm-hmm. we learn, we grow, and there's still work to do ahead of us. Well, you mentioned, and I also talked about this at the opening, your work on diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Just talk a little bit about having a inclusive and diverse culture and what that means, not only for the firm, but to your staff and your clients as well. That's a question that I find so interesting and specifically because I think different parts of that journey appeal to different people. And I do think we have to remember that we are a business and that it's really important to choose things that will have a business impact because if we don't do well as a business and we can't continue to grow, we can't continue to employ people, we can't continue to contribute to communities and society in really big ways. And so I do start with the business impact and I know for certain that if our purpose is to build trust in society and solve important problems, that we can't do our best thinking unless we have diverse mindsets that come to the table. And so it starts at really wanting a business that thrives and that can serve its purpose. And that kind of diversity of thought, The Wisdom of Crowds is one of my favorite books, and it really just opened my eyes so much when I read it a long time ago. And that diversity of thought comes through a number of different lenses. It comes from bringing in people of different backgrounds and different experiences. But equally important, it comes when people are willing to share parts of themselves and to come to a deeper level of contribution and engagement because they feel comfortable with the culture that you're building. And, you know, that's the D and the I part of diversity and inclusion. And so we've spent a lot of time 
really focusing on how to have better conversations of understanding with each other and to bring points of view to the table so that we can get the best thinking and innovation. A second aspect is our clients are demanding it. Like our, when we have proposals and we are bidding on work for our clients, our clients expect to see diverse teams. Like it's critically important to them that they see diverse teams. Our future talent asks us. In fact, they demand it of us. And I love that. I love that they are holding business accountable. And I think you see in this day and age with social media, with transparency, that a movement can really force business businesses to do things and hold them accountable to those actions. And I think that's great and really important. And that's part of why we did the DNI Transparency Report last year is to say, hey, we're just going to put our data out there and we're going to show you what it is. You mentioned just the importance of diversity of thought, and I couldn't agree with you more. But do you feel that that, to some extent, is a missing element that some companies... That okay. you can be delivering really good products and be doing really good things, but perhaps you're not hitting your full potential. And I think that's a word that we use often. It's hard to measure. It's hard to know where that feeling is. But I think it's the challenge of do you want to be good or do you want to be excellent and pull on every lever you can right. in order to do that. So under your leadership, there are more and more CEOs now that are jumping on the diversity and inclusion bandwagon. You've launched an initiative called the CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion. Could you just talk a little bit about that and uh, some of the outcomes of the date? Yes, I would love to. One of my favorite topics. And maybe forgive me a little bit because I have to go back about four years to tell the story of sure. how it started. But Tim, was, he was elected to the senior partner role five years ago. That's the equivalent role at PwC. And Tim, I was so grateful and fortunate that Tim asked me to be his chief of staff and to help lead our strategy at that time. And Tim and I went into the role ready to take it on, so naive and so earnestly mm -hmm. optimistic and had this 100-day plan that we were set to enable and bring to our people. And mm -hmm. that was the summer where there was real social unrest. You know, we had it in Dallas and Charlottesville. And Tim, who is somebody who has always, in all of his time at PwC, encouraged open communication. There was a particular day, and I, I can't remember exactly which event it was that summer, but mm -hmm. Tim opened his email, and there were so many emails from our people asking why we weren't commenting on this in a more authentic way. And the story behind that is the day before, we had sent out an email that was about as politically correct in terms of we didn't go anywhere close to where we should have if we really wanted to get involved and drive a different conversation. It was safe. It was, we sent out our safe email. It was one of our first all-firm emails. And we got a lot of feedback that we hadn't done enough. And in particular, he says this tells the story often, the one that really struck with him is a young woman who wrote in, when I came into work, the silence was deafening. And Tim looked at me, we were on a flight, and he just said, he said, JC, he goes, I don't want to be a CEO that plays it safe. He's like, and we have to change our plan. And I looked at him and I said, okay, let's go. And within eight days, we had organized a firm-wide conversation on race. This was four years ago, wow. uh, in 2016. And in that time, in every single office we have across the country, we have 80 offices across the country, as well as for those that were out at 
client sites, we filmed a 10 minute opener for how to have this conversation. And we told people the guardrails, what we were trying to accomplish, you know, what you could press on to be respectful of other people in that conversation. And Tim and I were in Atlanta for that town hall. We flew to Atlanta for that town hall. And it was one of the most eye-opening experiences I've had in my career. And we say that we think there were more tears shed at PwC that day than in the collective history of the firm. For me personally, it was really emotional. That was the first time that I had heard somebody, my colleague, a friend, tell the story of having that conversation with his son. And I just, I sat there crying as well as much of the audience. And we engaged in a conversation that I'm so grateful to have been a part of. And so we walked away, Tim and I, and we thought, well, that went well. You know, it was a really big risk to have a conversation on race for 55,000 people. And then we looked at Tim's email the next day. And as we always do when we listen, there were emails that that was really good as a start. But what's next? And one email said specifically, not even one, there were probably several handfuls of them, said if our purpose is to build trust in society and solve important problems, what are we doing to not only do it for ourselves, but to help do it for others? And that started CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion. So Tim called several of his friends who we consider to be incredible advisors to us. And we spent three months thinking about what we could do, debating it, pressure testing it with CEOs and seeing if it might be something that they would be willing to sign on to. And we landed on something that we felt would help others in their journey in something that we know is incredibly hard. So we wrote a commitment letter. It has three commitments at the time. One is to have is to hold unconscious bias, implicit bias training in your organization. Two is to facilitate conversations of understanding. And the third was to contribute best practices to CEO action so that we can all leverage them and work in cooperation versus in competition. And let me tell you, it was really hard to get people to sign up at first. Those first calls, you know, Tim, myself, and a few others of my colleagues, we were dialing for dollars and trying to get people to sign on. But sort of once we hit that 30 company mark, we really started to gain some momentum. And we just have spent the last couple of years working with some of the most incredible organizations, really working in collaboration to share best practices, to continue to raise the bar for each other. A year ago, we added a fourth commitment around submitting a CNI plan to your board. So once a year, every CEO, a minimum of once a year, each CEO commits to do a DNI plan with their board so that we start to have some real accountability and prioritization for that effort. And so as of last year, mid-year, we were 800 strong, which is just phenomenal. And we do a lot of great things together as a coalition. And I'll just share two more quick things. I know this has been a long story, but one of them is, and one of the reasons why I feel so optimistic and inspired is through a tragic incident through when George Floyd was killed, we've had another 800 join. So we are at 1,600 companies now. And the energy and the willingness to engage with others to really brainstorm how we can do it differently and Mm -hmm. how we can all get to a different answer has been very energizing and again, something that I'm incredibly optimistic about. Secondarily, we committed to our people after George Floyd. We made six commitments to our people of things that we were going to do. And one of those is that we recognize 
realized that we have to get involved in public policy in order to drive equity. And so we created a subset of CEO Action called CEO Action for Racial Equity. And we invited all of our, all of the members of our coalition to contribute a fellow. And so if they were willing to provide the salary for one of their people to come and work with us for two years, we are going to work on matters of racial equity across different areas like economic empowerment, health care, education. And we stood up CEO Action for Racial Equity in October, and we have 250 fellows who are working on this full-time, and um, we're just at the start of our journey. Public policy is not something that moves quickly, but we're really excited for what that might yield. Boy, what amazing work. Congratulations to you and the whole team at PwC. That's incredible. Thank you. And it is a team. It's a huge team. So uh, there are a lot of people that deserve that. Uh, congratulations, and I will pass it along. So I think I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Companies without a deeply rooted focus on diversity, inclusion, and equality, can they still be purposeful? Can they still be considered purposeful, or you can't have one without the other? Honestly, my answer is no. And I maybe for the short term, they can. That's a possibility. But we have our North Star. We started doing our strategy by deciding what would be our North Star at PwC. And we landed on three things. And the first part of our North Star is to be purpose-led and values-driven, which, of course, is what we're here talking about. The second is to be a firm that executes its strategy. There are a lot of companies that have strategies, but we want it to be known as a firm that is on the move, and we'd rather have a B strategy with A execution than an A strategy with B execution. So we want it to be one that transforms regularly, is change agile and resilient, and so that's our second North Star. And our third is to reinvest to secure the future. I mentioned that we're a 170-year legacy organization, and I feel it's my obligation, my responsibility to do things so that hopefully we can continue to exist for another 170 years. And so I think a company could potentially not focus on this for the short term, but I expect that in short order, the stakeholders will demand it and a company won't be able to thrive if they don't focus on it. Again, I couldn't agree more. I appreciate that. Taking a stand, being a voice for change, it's not easy. Companies struggle with it left and right. PwC seems to have it have it down. So I'd like for you to share a couple of examples of how you're serving society at large. I'd love to. Let me think of a couple. I'm going to give you one in each of the areas, again, is DNI and digital upskilling. Again, that's sort of our, yeah. how we focus everything. So with respect to digital upskilling, we have a program called Access Your Potential, and it is a $320 million commitment and program, but to enable a diverse, technically skilled workforce. And what that means, and if I tie back to the decision we made to digitally upskill all 55,000 of our people, is that we then can take those same tools and the technologies and the resources that our people in a citizen-led fashion have created and bring those to underserved communities to help kids and to help uh, close the digital divide. So we support our people. We give them charge codes, which is something very big in our world. You need to have a charge code to do anything. <laughs> so we give them charge codes to go out into the community to bring that tech literacy and really go into the communities and, 
help teachers, help students, mm-hmm. so that we can make sure that we have a diverse and technically skilled workforce progressing. So that's one example. And then a second, which uh, I really love, is uh, we call it Skills for Society. And I mentioned last year after George Floyd was killed, we came up with six commitments to our people in terms of how we would be a part of the solution. And one of those was this program called Skills for Society because we recognize that our people might want to do different things to participate and to help with uh, social justice and racial equity. And so we gave each of our people 40 hours to participate in a pro bono project of their choice to help organizations that are important to them and that they feel passionate about. And we've organized a number of opportunities for teams of our people to go out and solve really big challenges for some nonprofits that could use a little bit of help from us. Mm -hmm. Um, We're helping to rebrand an organization. My team is involved in helping to rebrand an organization that needs a little bit of help getting their message out, and that's a really cool project that they're working on now. So those are just two of the examples. There are many, but one of our principles is creating those opportunities for our people because, again, we don't want to just talk the talk. We really want to make sure not only that we walk the walk, but when our people tell the story of PwC, they do it from a place of firsthand knowledge. Like, I, it's great if they can tell the strategy. It's better if they can show how they were a part of the strategy and what it meant to them and what they learned from it. I'll tell you, JC, given all that you do at PwC and what the company does, you know, I'm asking myself here, you know, where, where do you find time for or anything else but in fact you do find time you know when it comes to living your own purpose you definitely walk the talk you're a board member of the nonprofit flying kites that nonprofit provides high quality education and support to students in rural Kenya I have to ask you to talk a little bit about that organization and how it fulfills your own purpose yes another one of my I feel like I keep saying this I do have a lot of passion but I think you can always find time for things that you're passionate about I um, perhaps again maybe just to take a quick step back about how this that 
going to one of my personal purposes would be to continue to explore the world and understand different cultures so that I could have better perspective and just learn more. And uh, that started me on a journey of every year going to at least two new countries and volunteering in schools in every one of those countries. And through doing that, a friend of mine, I saw pictures on social media when I was volunteering at a school in Tanzania after hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. And he said, my wife is on the board of this incredible school in Kenya. You have to just hop over there when you're in Tanzania. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you can't just hop to Kenya, Billy. Like, that's a really <laughs> nice idea. But right. I said I'd love to learn more about it. And I then got introduced to Flying Heights, which is an amazing, amazing school. It is a teacher training center and academy. Only 35% of the teachers in rural Kenya are actually qualified to pass the exams that they administer and the curriculum that they teach their kids. And so we've been on a journey and I've been on this board for the last seven years to help our, the teachers get trained to provide food for the kids because they can't study and learn unless their stomachs are fed to get clean water to the schools. So we have our teacher training academy and center, and then we have a network of schools. We are up to seven schools and 4,000 kids that we help support now. And I, I go there every year, once a year at least. Uh, last year, like, with the last year being the exception, but I get so much joy out of going to Kenya and seeing those kids. Thank you for making this world a better place. It's amazing what you're doing. This was an absolute fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for joining me on the Beyond Profit podcast. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about how PwC is putting purpose to work, be sure to visit pwc.com. That's pwc.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.